You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy Hanukkah, crazy Kwanzaa, uh, rambunctious Ramadan, whatever the fuck your thing is. Um, I want to wish you a fucking excellent thing. Uh, this is the Savage Lovecast. I'm Dan Savage. It's a couple days before Christmas. The gay and lesbian community, of course, last week got an early Christmas present from Barack Obama. Rick Warren, author of The Purpose Driven Life will be giving the invocation at Barack Obama's inauguration. It's a bit of a slap in the face to fags like me who sent Barack Obama four-figure checks because Rick Warren doesn't like gay people very much, helped pass Prop 8 in California, has compared uh, gay people uh, in relationships to uh, child rapists and uh, incest fans. And so it kind of smarts. And today Barack Obama said that we all have to Get agreeable. We all have to agree to disagree, and we all have to try to get along. But you know, there ain't no white supremacist given an invocation at the inauguration. Uh, nobody who authored one of those Barack Obama is a super secret Muslim terrorist emails uh, is giving an invocation. The only people, it seems, in America today who are expected to join hands with and agree to disagree with and make nice with and just try to get along with the people who hate us are fags and dykes. No anti-Semite would be invited to participate. No racist would be invited to participate. No fire-breathing, you know, Bill Maher hasn't been invited to participate. No fire-breathing atheist or religion basher would be invited to uh, participate in the inauguration. But gay bashers are welcome at Barack Obama's inauguration. Kind of pissing me off a couple days before Christmas. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item, plus a free gift with most purchases, please visit adamandeve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Hi, um, I'm a uh, 27-year-old straight-ish girl, um, and I'm calling because in the past little while, I guess, um, I've found myself exclusively hanging out with gay guys kind of all the time. Um, want to emphasize that, at least according to them, that I'm not a fag hag, I'm not turned on by gay guys, and really the primary reason is simply because this is who my friends are, and obviously I like hanging out with them. Um, I think they've both, this has kind of become my friend group more in the past year because some of my best friends that I've made over the past year have been gay males. They introduced me to their friends who I really like, and then I've become friends with them. So I think that's pretty normal, and I'm not too concerned about that. Um, but I do realize that there's probably a lot of other reasons, and they've, you know, pointed this out too. Um, I haven't really dated anybody or had a good relationship for the past, like, seven years, I guess. Um, and I think that's part of it. And I've also had a very kind of complicated sexual past slash present. Um, and for the first time ever, I feel like I'm in this group where people don't get shocked by my past, um, which has never happened to me before. And I feel like all of a sudden I'm able to be me without... 
um, without having to feel weird about it or feel like I'm hiding anything. I mean, I've, I've been feeling kind of generally depressed the past month or two. And so I really like hanging out with my friends who, the ones who happen to be gay. And, um, I think it helps that I know exactly what I'm getting when I'm with them and there's no weirdness, um, or any chance of drama for me. Um, although much drama for some of my friends, um, and I guess the only thing where it becomes a downside that I see is that uh, sometimes it sucks because at the end of the night, I know that I'm going to be going home alone and they may or may not be. And sometimes that's great and I love it. And sometimes it's a little bit depressing that I'm going home on my own. But I don't know whether this is something that it's been a few months now. So I don't know if it's something I should be getting more concerned about or if I should be doing something about it or going to straight clubs too or straight bars. And um, But yeah, or whether... Uh, I should just not overanalyze it and just keep having fun with my friends. Obviously, I'm going to keep having fun with them anyway, but if I should be making an effort to expand. Oh, my God. Blah, blah, blah. All right. We get it. We get it. Um, You're hanging out with fags and you're not getting any cock. It's only been a couple of months. And, you know, I want to go all the way back to the beginning of your call, which was, you know, 30 or 40 administrations ago. You say that you're not a fag hag because you're not turned on by your gay friends. Well, very few fag hags are actually turned on by their gay friends. They know they can't be. A lot of fag hags and fags develop emotional bonds that are sort of pseudo-relationships where they're having a romantic friendship that doesn't involve any sex. But it sounds like you have sort of a fag hag thing budding and developing where you're getting all of your emotional support from, you know, a, a pack of fags who, as much as they like you, uh, don't necessarily have your best interests at heart and don't see you perhaps as a full person. Like, if they're always abandoning you and going home with somebody that night and you're just along for the ride, they're not really doing what fags in cliche fag-hag relationships do. They're not reciprocating. They're not looking out for you and your interests. Because if, you know, they're just pulling you along for the ride and you're something decorative that they yank out with them so they have someone to rely on at the bar, somebody to talk to, until such a time as they meet somebody that they want to leave with and then they abandon you, then not, that's not really something friends do. That's something fags do to fag hags. So if that's happening to you a lot, sorry to say, you have um, arrived at fag haggery. It's just a fact. Now... It's only been a couple of months. You say that you've had bad relationships with men in the past. It's totally understandable. It's sometimes good for women to have gay friends uh, so that women can reconnect with men and masculine energy without it being uh, overlaid uh, with, uh, you know, who wants to fuck who or who's got frustrated desires for who. So it can be good and healthy. It can be a good sort of training wheels back to uh, getting you back into the, the swing of things with dudes. Uh, the thing you need to do if you want to maintain these relationships is you need to insist on a little reciprocity. Uh, some nights you need to say, you know what? You, fag, you, fag, you, fag, my three fag best friends. The last 12 times we went out, we went out to gay bars. I watched you all hook up. Tonight, you three, you're coming with me to a straight bar. And you're going to watch my ass hook up. And you're going to be my wingman. You're going to help me find somebody for a change. Or at least be somewhere where there's the possibility that I could find somebody for me. For a change. And if you make that sort of demand, decent fags who regard you as an equal and a friend and a human being will jump right into that straight bar with you. They will want to go help you out. Uh, asshole selfish fags who want you to be their fag hag who don't regard you as a full human being uh, will not will, will not want to do that for you. And you should not hang out with those guys anymore because then you will be the pathetic fag hag that at the beginning of the call you wanted to deny that you were that I think I've already called you twice and now I'm saying you're not but I'm very confused because Barack Obama pissed me off so much today 
Hey Dan, this is a call from Australia, Australia and I have a bit of a strange situation I want to ask you about. Um, when I'm with a partner, if while we're getting married, I should start by saying, when I'm with a partner, if I swallow my, if I give my partner a blowjob and swallow his cum nine times out of ten, that will send me rushing straight to the toilet. Not to throw up, that I can handle, but something, it, it keeps doing something to my insides. Like, I end up crapping my guts out, and I get the most incredible diarrhea. Not just loose stools, but as if I've used a douche kit, and just, like, all the water just comes right out of me, and it's bizarre. And I'm wondering, what is it about eating cum that does this to a person? Am I the only person that suffers from this? I've heard of cases like this over the years. I've never encountered one. Thank God. Um, you are allergic to semen. Something about the proteins in semen reacts very negatively with your gut and your system, and it makes you crap your pants. There's nothing you can do about it, so far as I know. There's no uh, antibiotics. There's no allergy treatment. You just have to grin and share it, I suppose. Uh, Sorry I can't be of more help. And the next time we have a doctor on the show, we will talk about exactly why some people are allergic to semen. But um, some people are, and you are one of them. Hey, Dan. Um, I was wondering what the etiquette on vehicular fingering is. As in, you know, we're driving over Spokane, we're going over the pass, and I'm totally just, like, staring at her. And I'm wondering if it's too much uh, to attempt a, uh, a cluttering maneuver in the car while we're driving. Uh, fingering is too much. We know now that fingering your cell phone while driving increases your odds of being in an accident uh, just as much as being drunk while driving. Fingering your girlfriend's snatch while she's driving? I guess if you're the passenger doing the fingering, it's not quite as dangerous as if she was doing the fingering or you were driving and doing the fingering or something. There's some sort of parallel there between texting and uh, digitally stimulating your girlfriend. I wouldn't do it just because I wouldn't want to be found dead inside a car uh, with my finger up somebody's uh, snatch, frankly. And I know, because I'm a pessimist, that that is exactly how I would die if I attempted that maneuver. Pull over into a rest stop, they're not just for gay men anymore, and finger her there. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle, including a great selection of toys, lingerie, and movies. 10 million customers love the quality, the fast, and discreet shipping, and the 100% satisfaction guarantee. Visit AdamandEve.com today and receive 50% off most any item of your choice, plus a free gift with a purchase of $17 or more. That's AdamandEve.com, and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Hi, Dan. Um, this is Catherine, and I'm calling because I have a little problem. Um, First of all, I'm a little insecure with guys because for high school, I went to an all-girls boarding school. So at the time when a lot of my friends were like seriously dating guys and having sex with guys and learning how to interact with guys, I was basically a huge nerd. And the environment that I was in made it really easy for me to pretty much forget about boys altogether. But um, now I'm in college and I've had so far like one real relationship with a guy it took my virginity, and it ended after about two months. Um, so with that said, I had recently been fooling around with this guy who's really hot and 
has a great body, but he turned out to be like a huge jerk because um, he basically decided on his own and without letting me know that he was done with whatever we had going on and just completely stopped making any effort whatsoever. So um, I was a little hurt because it really seems like it was going well and that he wanted to have taken it further. So at this point, I pretty much hate him and like have zero interest in what he would have been able to offer me as a boyfriend. But my problem is that when I do see him around, I get this like surge of excitement and like happiness when he says hi to me or like something nice to me. And also he sits right next to me in one of my classes and just like looking at him and his body gets me so turned on that I'm basically writhing in my chair with horniness. So I don't, I like, I know that I don't want him to be my boyfriend and I don't even really know him that well as a person or particularly like him that much as a person, but I'm still physically attracted to him and I'm reacting to him in ways that I've done in the past when I really like someone. Um, so my question is like, am I doing this because I haven't had much experience with boys and I've become too attached to him or like, I asked my friends about it and they weren't any help because they think it's just like hot, like Elizabeth Bennett, Mr. Darcy situation. And I just think it's really annoying. So, um, how do I make this stop? He's such a jerk, but you still want to fuck his brains out. Totally. Like, (laughs) it's just. No, it drives me insane. Like I said, like, he just, I'm literally writhing with horniness. And you know what? That has nothing to do with your lack of experience with men or going to a girls' boarding school for high school. That's just part of life. Sometimes our our genitals betray us. Sometimes our genitals are saying, I want that. And our brain is saying, but that's a jerk. And you know what? There's nothing you can do about it. You have to enjoy the squirminess. You know, if you want to give your twat what it wants, you can make him a friends with benefits or an enemies with benefits offer, uh, and he will toy with you and be cruel and be an asshole about it, no doubt, because he's probably used to women throwing themselves at him in this fashion if he's as hot as you say. Right, yeah. But, you know, we all uh, debase ourselves at times uh, because of our desires, and that's part of uh, the human experience. Right. It just, it didn't make sense to me. It was just so annoying. Um, it just got to the point where it was really annoying. It's it totally annoying. I know I, I know the feeling. I could give you chapter and verse from my own life if I talked about my own <laughs> life on the show, but I don't talk about my own life on the show. Uh, it, it's just one of those things that happens. Where, you know, people who are, you know, hardcore Democrats meet hardcore right-wing Republicans, and there's a spark. Uh, and right. they want to fuck that, even though their brain is going, don't, don't, don't. Um there's nothing yeah. you can do about it. You, all you can do is enjoy it and then wait for somebody else to come along who can supplant him in your twat's affections. And <laughs> it may take some time, particularly if you're having his hotness rubbed in your nose constantly at school. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My prescription masturbate about him a lot. <laughs> and I'll think about the enemies with benefits situation. I'll, I will think about that. Do you think that's something he's going to take you up on? Did he did he pull back from you because he got the sense that you wanted more or that you wanted a relationship and all he wanted was a uh, pussy? Yeah. No, I think he knows that I still at least physically want him. Um, so, yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I think he may um, may take me up on it. I mean, if I did, offer it, but okay. I, I don't know. We'll no, see. let's role play this. You think this or You offer friends with benefits. Before you do, you offer and he's like, no, not interested. How devastated will you be? 
pretty devastated. You, yeah. You once again allowed him, you know, to kick you to the curb, right? So you I, have to figure out. You have to figure out whether or not your self-esteem can handle being doubly rejected by him by making yourself vulnerable to him all over again and having him take a pass. Right. But you know, yeah, you're right. You need to then weigh whether he's so hot that it's worth being rejected again to attempt to get in his pants, that, that the risk of being rejected a second time is worth the potential benefit of getting in his pants a second time. Right. Right. So that's your assignment. Right. Take some pictures of him. Send them to me. I want to see this <laughs> supreme hotness that could drive you to distraction. Like okay. okay. All right. Thank you so much. Sure Good luck. Hi, Dan. I have a kind of a weird question for you, but I work at an apparel store, um, and we sell intimate apparel. And there's this guy who's been calling me, and I'm pretty sure he's a perv, and he is getting off to our conversation. Um, he'll ask me, like, about clothes that I own and what I wear and what size I am and kind of weird stuff like that. And I try to answer him professionally, but I'm not really sure what the best way to get him to stop is because I don't really feel like dealing with the police. But basically, I guess my boyfriend and I were talking about it, and we think that if I'm just like, hey, screw you, you're a perv, that'll kind of get him off even more. Um because now he's getting a rise out of me. So uh, we thought you might be a good person who could tell me the best way to handle the situation. I want to give him a really good comeback. Say something that's going to kind of throw him off and hopefully get him to stop calling me. You lay out two options here. Answer his questions, tell him what you're wearing, tell him what color your underwear is, where you got it, or call him a pervert and scream and yell at him. There's actually a third way, which is when you hear his voice, you say nothing. Nothing at all. You don't give him any sort of response. Any response you give him is going to keep him calling back. Whether you give him positive attention or negative attention, whether you tell him what color your panties are, whether you call him a pervert and scream at him, he's going to dig either response. What you need to do is give him nothing. Set the phone down. Don't slam it down. Don't hang up on him because that's a negative response. Set it down and let him listen to the air. And he'll get sick of calling you and stop. Right now you're giving him exactly the wrong thing. You're giving him hope <laughs> that if he keeps calling you, he'll get more and more of a rise out of you. Also, if he is a, a sexual obsessive, if he's come into the store, if he's observing you, by interacting with him at all, you're encouraging his stalkery, pervy tendencies and perhaps a budding obsession with you, which is not something you want to do with someone like this. Give him nothing. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm 26 years old, and I'm a lesbian. Uh, but for the past few years, I've been noticing kind of an interesting pattern in my life that um, I can't really figure out. Um, for the past five years, I've pretty consistently had one year-long relationship with a woman and one right after the other. Um, the thing that's been confusing me is that the relationships end because right at about the year mark, I pretty much stop being sexually attracted to the woman I'm with and I start having these really intense desires for men and, and having these really strong fantasies about men. Um, I try to let myself do, you know, whatever I'm feeling. So I usually end up breaking up with whatever woman I've been dating since I'm no longer attracted to her. And um, then I'll often get involved with a man in some kind of relationship. Um, the thing is that... I act on these these desires for men, and they're they're really strong. Uh, and then I find that I'm dissatisfied, 
and it's not long before that ends, and then I find myself with a with another woman that I that I start out being attracted to, and then that lasts about a year, and so on. Um, I guess my question is really what you might suggest uh, I could do to try to figure out this this kind of flip flopping pattern, um, or even what I could do to try to prevent the pattern from continuing. Um, I'm in a relationship now with um, a really amazing girl, and uh, we've been dating for about eight months or so, and I really want to try to understand this about myself or try to come up with a solution that can help me um, kind of prevent it from happening again with my current girlfriend Um, because I'm coming up on my deadline. Eight months, huh? Tick, 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 tick. Pressure's building any minute now. Um, Here's what you need to do. You've recognized this pattern. Uh, The women that you get involved with after you get your fill of dude need to know. You need to inform them about this cycle that you seem to have where you meet women and date women or into women, fall in love with women, and then you get this burning desire uh, for cock, which I empathize with entirely. You get this burning desire for cock and then you run out and get a dude and you tire of the dude rather quickly. You get your cock fix and then you're ready for pussy again. Knowing this about yourself... It seems to me that you need to find a woman who shares your very occasional, annual, cock hunger. And they're out there. There are a lot of lesbians out there who seem to be in your shoes. Female sexuality is, as you're not allowed to say, extremely fluid. You get in trouble when you say that because it's somehow, you know, people take it as an unflattering comparison with male sexuality, which tends to be pretty fucking fixed. Guys are fags if they're fags, and they don't swing back and forth, and straight if they're straight, and a handful of them are bisexual, I guess. But the ladies seem to slop around like, you know, soup on a ship, all right? You're one of them ladies. You're fluid. So what you need to do is find a woman who's in the same boat, who has the same occasional cock-mad hunger attacks that you do, and then split a dude every once in a while. I think one of the reasons that you fall out of attraction with the women you're with for a year is you make this commitment to them that precludes you getting your annual cock fix. So then you come to regard your girlfriend as this impediment, this thing that has to be removed, this this relationship that has to end, or you're not able to express the uh, heterosexual end of side of your desires. So I think that the only way you'll ever overcome that in any sort of a long-term relationship is finding a lesbian who shares your occasional... Uh, lust for cock, and lust for cock occasionally with her. Hi, Dan. I am a 25-year-old straight female. I've been in a relationship for a little over a year. Uh, My guy is totally awesome. He was the first one ever to bring me to orgasm. Uh, We discovered together that I am capable of ejaculating when we have sex and I orgasm. Um, and he suggested uh, bringing toys. We've used vibes and bullets into sex to get better orgasms, which definitely, definitely worked. Um, and I found that bullets and strong vibrators have given me really, really strong orgasms, uh, much better than the non-toy variety, um, which is accompanied by sort of a surging, rushing feeling that I, I don't get otherwise. Um, the downside of these amazing orgasms is that I am often losing control of my bowels when that happens, which is 
really, really embarrassing. Um, my boyfriend is fine with it. He, the, you know, if that's what happens when you have really good sex, then that's what happens. That's just how you are. But it's something that I really, I'm not really that comfortable with. Um, I can't find a whole lot of information online about it. No one says that it's, you know, perfectly normal. I haven't been able to find that anywhere. So I, I guess my question is, is it abnormal? And um, how how do I make it stop? Or am I going to have to choose between cleaner sex or better orgasms as an either or? Is this normal? God, I hope not. It's the first I've heard of it. So unless women all over the world uh, in all their letters to Savage Love over the years have been keeping this from me and all the heterosexual guys who've been giving women orgasms have been keeping this seemingly salient fact from me all these years that women lose control of their bowels when they have orgasms, um, I'd say it's not normal. Uh, Here's what, if I were in your um, tarp-covered bed, I would do about it. Uh, I would... First of all, you need to explore Kegel exercises, which is uh, you can Google it, look it up. It's basically clenching your sphincters. Uh, the sphincter muscles clench and unclench during orgasms. So it could be that when your Kegels uh, and your sphincters are engaging during your orgasm, these incredibly powerful orgasms are engaging your sphincters and your Kegels uh, to such an extent that whatever's in your lower GI, whatever's in your rectum, whatever's just right inside your butt waiting to come out, goes ricocheting across the room. Now, what I would do, again, if I were you, is experiment, since you have this partner who's not flummoxed by this event, experiment with finding where the line is exactly, where the intent, where, where you reach that point of intensity uh, where you can't control yourself. Uh, I would make sure that my bowels are empty every time I got into bed with the bullet. Um, and then... Uh, Work your way up. See where you reach that point of complete loss of control. And then grip. The next time you realize you're getting to that point, grip and bear down and hold your ass. Clench your ass cheeks. Clench your sphincters and keep whatever's in there, hopefully, in there. There's no other sort of approach that I can think of besides you know, 44 enemas before you're going to have this kind of sex, which isn't necessarily a, a bad plan. If you say that these orgasms that are so intense are only induced when you guys use these uh, vibrators and these toys in a certain way, if you know that that's on the menu for that night, you can get uh, an enema kit and really clean yourself out. Uh, the way you do that is, you know, you give yourself an enema, you crap out all the water and crap, you give yourself another one, you crap it all out, you give it another one, crap it all out. You keep doing it until the water comes out clear, and then you wait at least an hour so that as you walk around, any water pockets that formed uh, up in your guts uh, are sort of jarred loose, and you can expel the rest of that water before you go to bed and mess around. Um, that way you can have this incredible experience without having to worry about lunch um, flying out of your ass. Hey, Dan. I'm a 27-year-old straight female. I love your column in the love cast, but I have to say I'm a little disappointed in some of the advice you've been giving lately, particularly in regards to the flip fetishes in this week's podcast. You told this guy that he had your blessing to go out and suck other women's toes without his girlfriend's permission. Now, I understand the need for sexual fulfillment, and I understand that all relationships have different understandings and different boundaries, but as someone in a monogamous relationship, I feel for the girlfriend here. It seems like they have the understanding that their relationship is monogamous, 
And I think she has the right to decide for herself if she wants to stay in the relationship with someone who won't ever be fulfilled fully by her. Sure, toe-tucking isn't sex per se, but it's an activity that the two of them engage in as part of sex. And I'll bet that she feels it's an intimate thing that she doesn't want him sharing with others. Anyway, I agree with you that there are times when infidelity may be the right or only choice to preserve a relationship, but it sure seems like you've been suggesting it a lot lately. As painful as it would be, I would want to know if my husband's needs weren't being fulfilled, and I think that this woman has the same right. All right, maybe I was a little too quick to tell that caller that he'd go ahead and suck other women's toes without clearing it with the girlfriend who would probably have a problem with it. Uh, so I probably shouldn't read this letter. Hey, Dan, to the foot fetishist in podcast 112, I would recommend going to a foot night party. These parties happen all over the country at regular intervals and for an entry fee plus tips for the ladies. Shrimpy can suck the toes of the... To the foot fetishist in podcast 112, I would recommend going to a foot night party. These parties happen all over the country at regular intervals and for an entry fee plus tips for the ladies. Shrimpy can suck the toes of as many ladies as he likes www.footnight.com. I have no affiliation with Footnight, but I do have several lovely lady friends who offer their time and toes as foot models at the parties. They find it both highly enjoyable and quite profitable. Thanks for sharing, Shanna. And of course, uh, to the foot fetishist who wanted to suck the toes of women who weren't his girlfriend, uh, please don't go to www.footnight.com and find out about any of these foot parties that you should not attend because I've been too quick to recommend infidelity of late. Thank you. And we have one other letter we're going to read this week uh, from a listener. Hey, Dan, I was listening to your podcast at the gym, as I usually do, and then all of a sudden you were talking about shoving things up the urethra, and I felt such a sharp pain in my dick that I almost dropped the barbell in the middle of a bench press. Uh, Of course, we're talking about sounding, which is a sexual practice where men uh, insert usually metal rods up into their urethra. Some say to stimulate the prostate from the inside. Anyway, getting back to the letter, I don't get that kind of reaction from anything else, but for some reason, whenever the subject of sticking stuff inside the dick, such as, again, sounding, which is shoving metal rods up the urethra, uh, whenever that comes up, I just can't help but imagine it and immediately start feeling the pain. Uh, So this reader feels a sharp stab of pain whenever I talk about shoving things up your dick like a metal rod in the sexual practice of sounding, which is when people shove metal rods up their urethra into their dick. So if the subject ever comes up again, could you please give us fair warning? The subject, of course, being sounding, which is where you shove a metal rod up someone's dick into their urethra, you know, so that I may avoid an accident. Think of it as a public service. Daniel. All right, Daniel. I promise the next time shoving a metal rod up the penis, as in the sexual practice of sounding, should come up in the podcast. I will give you fair warning. And while we're reading the mail, here's one more letter to the podcast, which makes no sense. Please call us instead at 206-201-2720 if you have a comment uh, for the podcast. But another letter uh, via the column. Hey, Dan, I was noticing that after catching up with several missed podcasts over the last week during any time my clients were not in earshot, I developed a bad case of trucker mouth as soon as a glass of wine even dared to get close to me. But it is a special kind of bad language, and I was thinking that trucker mouth didn't fully encompass the type of profanities that you spew. I think we may have coined a new phrase here, me and the wife, sex advice columnist mouth, or as we now call it, sack mouth. I can see it now. Sorry, you'll have to excuse my wife as she has a really bad case of sack mouth. Oh, geez, that's funny. I really enjoy your particular way with words, Dan. We all need to loosen the fuck up a bit and let a few, oh, just fuck the shit out of her already slide now and then onwards and upwards, Caitlin. Thanks for sharing, Caitlin. We're going to leave it there. Me and the tech savvy at-risk youth. It's the holidays. We have places to go and 
people to sound. That is, of course, sticking metal rods up men's urethros and stimulating their prostates from the inside. Uh, and if you do it enough, you can actually use increasingly larger and fatter metal rods until you've stretched the urethra out and it hangs basically like a gutter off a haunted house. Did that image make any sense? The texts every atmosphere are nodding, so I guess so. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you have a question for the show or a comment about the show, please give us a call and uh, we will use it. Leave your name, a callback number in case we have a follow-up question for you. And please um, send a note to Barack Obama asking him to stop being a douchebag to gays and lesbians because uh, pissing us the fuck off. Uh, 206-201-2720, that's the number. Give us a buzz.